You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Welcome to TFM's local watering hole, and I am just one of your hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and I'm so excited this week as we are going to be diving into, well, the latest Marvel Disney Plus series, and Christy could not make it this week because, unfortunately... She got caught in some winter weather, Um, so apparently let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, and because of that, and I'm just really excited that we had had this planned, but Amanda, I'm so glad you're back uh, to talk some more Marvel with me, and uh, it's good that we had you on as a guest, otherwise it would have just been, well, I guess me. (laughs) I'm glad to be here, and it it was well-planned. So at least there was some some backup for you here. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I am excited to dive into this. Um, it's been really interesting because I think each one of these series has, has been progressively getting better. At least that's been my take. And so, um, but before we do that, just want to, of course, remind you, uh, you could find the 602 Club wherever you get your podcasts. Um, do just make sure that you are subscribed, and that means you will get the show as soon as it drops. Um, and of course, if you're on Apple Podcasts, we will really appreciate a star rating review. And if you're on Spotify now, you can rate the podcast. So if you're a Spotify user listening to podcasts there, give us a star rating. Um, Again, those star ratings and places like that help the show grow. People find the show. So, of course, uh, you can also follow us over on Twitter at The 602 Club. And right now... Um, We're just doing a little following contest, so if you follow us by the 25th of January, you could win a copy of Timothy Zahn's Heir to the Empire from the Essentials Legends collection. It's a really nice copy of the book with a really cool cover, so yeah, it could be yours just for following us. So make sure you're doing that on Twitter. Uh, You can also find us on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. Uh, and then we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Trek FM. Listeners only discussion group on Babel, called the Babel Conference there on Facebook, as well as helping us out over on Patreon at patreon.com slash Trek FM and see how you can become part of our team. Really want to say, really want to thank our associate producers over there, uh, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millett, and Daniel Noah. They've been supporting this show as well as the network for years now, and just really want to say thank you to them. And again, there's no way we can do this. Um, This is just so expensive to put together, and we could really use your help here in 2022. So again, go to patreon.com slash trackfm. So I do want to ask you this because we haven't talked to you about any of the Marvel shows yet, and I'm just wondering where you're coming from um, with them so far, Amanda. What have you liked so far with the the Disney Plus Marvel shows? And, you know, on the other side, was there anything you maybe haven't liked so far about them? 
Honestly, I have been on board for all of the Disney Plus Marvel shows that have come. Um, I think WandaVision is still currently my favorite. I really love okay. um, the themes right. that were going on there. But Loki, Loki was my kind of weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I really appreciated that show. Um, I really enjoyed um I really enjoyed Falcon and Winter Soldier. I thought there was also some really great thematic material in there. And I thought that a lot of these shows have done some beautiful passing of the torch type deals. So I'm excited to see what else they come up with. Yeah. And I mean, I know obviously we've got, I think as of tonight, as we're recording this is Monday and during the playoff game that's happening now for the NFL, they're going to be premiering the Moon Knight trailer with Oscar Isaac. So very cool. Oh, I love and, him. <laughs> yeah. And then the one of the characters we meet in this show called Echo is going to be getting her own show as well. And then we know shows like She-Hulk and things like that are going to be coming out uh, as well as I think Miss Marvel as well. So there's going to mm-hmm. be so much stuff that's going to be continuing to come down the pipeline. Uh, and I think if I remember correctly, we've got a Loki season two that's going to be coming and they're going to do a what if season two. So... I think What If is the only series I haven't watched yet. Same. I have not seen that as well. I I think the first time I end up watching that will be for uh, when John and I do it over on Assembling Avengers. And so I I think I'm just going to keep that one for there. But, no, I'm I'm really excited then to talk to you because, you know, we do have a slightly different take because I do not like WandaVision. (laughs) Um, And so... um, but for me, yeah, it's been very interesting because I felt like just with each successive show, they've slowly been getting better. And um, so I'm really interested for this one here. I was trying to think about, you know, how to break this down. Uh, and I, I I think, you know, just looking at character arcs is probably the best way to do it. And so I wanted to start, obviously, the show is called Hawkeye, but really the show is in many ways, meant to introduce us who, to who's going to be the new Hawkeye, um, which is Kate. Uh, and um, so I just first wanted to ask you, um, and I think this might be a great place to start, was with Haley Seinfeld coming in to play this character of Kate Bishop. I absolutely adored her. I thought she was fantastic. And she was genuine. She was green. Um, she had some really sincere moments and some stuttering, tripped up, meeting her hero for the first time, trying to play it cool moments that, you know, they were a little bit campy, but that it was supposed to be that way. And I thought it was absolutely awesome. I, I had a great time watching the whole show. Mm-hmm. I uh, I agree. You know, I've really liked her for a long time. You know, um, honestly, she's what I think makes the Bumblebee movie that came out uh, a couple years ago, Transformers-wise, fantastic. It's a really good movie, and part of that is because of how well she carries it. And a lot of her personality obviously comes out in a lot of the things that she does. Um, She definitely, I think, has a pretty big personality. But I loved her as Kate here because I think a lot of that seems to play well with this very young woman who's just on the – like she's just cresting into like she's about to graduate college. You know, she's trying to find her place in the world and um, 
she gets the rare opportunity to meet her hero, you know, and sometimes that doesn't always go well. But here um, it ends up being, I think, one of the best things she could absolutely have had in her life, especially with all that's going to happen to her. And I love the way that, you know, they start the show by giving us her history with Hawkeye from the beginning in the sense that, you know, when the Avengers are defending New York, he's the one that she sees out uh, her, you know, destroyed side of her apartment building. And it inspires her, especially with the loss of her father, um, to work to become a hero. I mean, her life's goal is to be the next Hawkeye, basically. I mean, she wants to be an Avenger. She wants to be a hero. And I think that's some really interesting psychology. And if there's anything I could say that I might have wanted just a little bit more of in the show was even more of an exploration of the loss of her dad, as well as the way in which in many ways, Clint kind of picks up those pieces and kind of in men, he really just becomes, in a sense, you know, um, her hero dad, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that they did a really good job um, with how they worked Clint into her story later on. Um, saving her from herself, essentially. Because she had gotten in over her head. She wanted to prove something and not just wanted to prove something like she likes to nose around. She likes to, you know, forge her own path and maybe get into a little bit of trouble. And I think she's always had some pretty decent safety nets considering her upbringing. Um, And I think that's a little part maybe of the um, invincibility complex that she starts out with. And Clint brings her to a reality place, but not in a cruel way and kind of guides her. Um, And I thought it was a really organic way that they kind of worked that throughout the story um, where she started picking up parts of his trauma, what makes him him, what he's had to sacrifice and give up and bringing her to the reality of what her dreams are. So I I thought it was a really beautiful way that they could tell that story. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more and you know i think a big part of that is is to that and and i'm gonna i'm gonna put this on steinfeld because i think she's able to play kind of manic very well which you know is perfect for the, the 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 character um and uh, I, I've heard from people who have read the comic that she seems pretty true to life to the Matt Fraction version that this is this is really kind of drawing from in the sense of I know that uh, and I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, but I have it that run, which it draws from the spirit of, but it doesn't actually copy any of the storylines really because it's mm-hmm. very different. Um, but it's just kind of the there's a lot of humor in that uh, that run from what I've heard and everything. So this is really drawing from that. But at the same time, I think one of the things that she's able to do is on a dime, she can turn from being that kind of like manic and somewhat snarky or whatever to just being very emotionally open. You know, like all of a sudden her heart is completely on her sleeve and you can see everything that she's thinking or feeling in that moment. And um, I, I think it's 
I think what makes it beautiful is a lot of people in the show are all experiencing much of the same things, which is loss. Mm-hmm. Kate's dealing with the loss of still of her father. You've got Clint who's dealing with the loss of Natasha and you have Elena who's dealing with the loss of Natasha. So you have all these people dealing with loss and how they deal with that loss um, and what they do with that pain is really, really interesting. And unlike most of the people in the show, Kate has taken the loss of her dad and instead of allowing that like frustration and rage, well, I guess Maya too is losing the loss of her father. Mm-hmm. So. It's a lot of father loss. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Marvel. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 almost like a, a Disney movie where you got to have at least one parent that's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I guess it is Disney. So there you go. <laughs> hey, but um, <laughs> but so unlike a lot of people, and and a theme we'll get to later is is the way in which kind of like. It can turn to rage and that makes you kind of blind to things. She's really turned this into um, something very positive in her life, right? She's become an incredible archer. She's done really well in school uh, and, you know, she's become excellent at pretty much everything that she does, which allows her to have this feeling of confidence, uh, maybe too much confidence in some places for her abilities, but mainly because she's earned all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just it's a really cool thing to me, especially as I was rewatching the series this week, was just how well she plays all of those parts. But then obviously the way in which thematically a lot of these characters are all going through many of the same things and how they deal with them is either similar and or different. Yeah, it's definitely um, themed around the choices that you make in that situation. And I really liked seeing that they kind of laid these different paths mm-hmm. out throughout this series um, to see what, I mean, cause they all kind of did face the same losses. So where those choices led them afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's so, it's always good when a series comes together like that. And I, I think this series above and beyond the other Marvel series so far, really felt cohesive in that sense, that all of these different storylines were actually working together towards the whole, mm-hmm. which is really great. Um, you know, I, I I do think it's really interesting to me, too, is that, and and just a sub note, I think, really, on Kate is, is you know, we meet Jack, who's going to, you know, marry her mother, and... I really enjoyed them, of course, doing this whole misdirection of him being the bad guy. And I thought that was really fun. And he's he it was actually a, a character to which, like, if they do a Hawkeye season two, it'd be so fun to have him back because he's naively oblivious to lots of things happening around him. Um but he was actually a really sweet like what you realize is that he actually is a very genuine character. He's a genuine person. Like um he he cares about Kate. He lo- he loves her mother. Like all the things that he looked like on the surface was actually what he was. And I thought that that was fun because they play it as misdirection, but really that's just who he is. And to me, um 
I really enjoyed his character and I thought he was a fun addition and be interesting to see if they do anything with him in the future. Yeah, I think that they could unwrap his character a little bit more um, in the coming season for sure. But he came off as so slimy in the beginning and I was like, oh, yes, he did. you're yeah. a sleaze. What are you yep. doing? And then he's like, you know, helping everyone out at the end. And I'm like, okay, so maybe you're just like the golden retriever. Mm-hmm. All right. It's <laughs> a great point. Yes, he's like a golden retriever. And and what I think is so interesting is we're 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 in a world where it's also cynical, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're not used to characters actually being like that. We're not used to people being like that who are kind of what they portray themselves to be, you know, and people who are like genuinely effusive in praise or are overly kind or seem too good to be true we automatically think oh well they've got to be good too good to be true and jack's not you know like so and that's what kind of makes him fun like you said in the very end where you know he's brandishing his sword and helping them fight everybody off you know it's it's great so i i really that man literally read a parenting book (laughs) <laughs> about yes, being yes. a step parent and i'm like is yep. he trying to be like condescending right now i feel like he's being condescending no oh nope okay he's really just trying to like get down to the psychology of it i guess <laughs> and that's what makes it so fun is because he doesn't really have a like dishonest bone in his body like that's the that's what makes him so interesting as mm-hmm. a character, especially when you realize that you get to the end and you realize, oh no, this is a guy that he's just being straight up about who he is, mm-hmm. you know. And so, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, he is the kind of guy who realizes he's going to be a stepdad. He doesn't know anything about being a stepdad, and he should probably read a book about it, you know, <laughs> to try and figure this out. You know, it's it's great. I, like that is. It's it's refreshing as I think what it is. By the time you get to the end and you realize, oh yeah, it's been misdirection the whole time and and everything. Like I think it's kind of refreshing to see a character like that because it just doesn't happen very often. And maybe it reminds us that preconceived notions about people, we need to be more careful about that. Mm-hmm. So I think obviously, of course, this show is called Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to talk here about with Clint. And I think one of the best things that this show does is that it reminds us that Clint is just human with no superpowers and that the toll being a hero takes on you with mind, body, and soul um, from the fact that he has to wear a hearing aid to the aches and pains of his body after every fight where he's putting ice or, you know, you know, daiquiri patches (laughs) (laughs) frozen daiquiri patches um like i think this is so smart because it is clint is probably one of the most relatable characters in the mcu because he's just a dude right and yeah he happens to be exceptional in the sense of his skills but everything hurts when he comes back from a fight and i i think it's not just his body, but just seeing the toll that this has taken on him all of these years, you can understand in many ways why he just wants to be out. And I I think 
I God, he's Jeremy Renner's so good in this show. Mm-hmm. No, and I love that they incorporated the humanity of it because a lot of the times, like I love my Mar- Marvel movies, but they gloss over the trauma and they gloss mm-hmm. over the physical trauma because um, not everyone is a god or, you know, a superhero with space powers and for the regular Joes who has are part- a fancy space yeah, suit to keep gets them injected yeah. with special super serum or whatever. And no, some, some of these people like him and black widow, Yelena, they are flesh and blood human. And at the end of the day, they have to go home, patch themselves up mm-hmm. and, you know, sit in an ice bath. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, even just the struggle here for him, like he's trying to be a good dad in many mm-hmm. ways. You know, he's taken his kids on this trip to cons- to try and make up for, you know, all the things he's missed within it. And, you know, they seem to be very understanding. But at the same time, how difficult that is because he doesn't just get to be a normal person because everybody knows what he looks like, you know, and, and they're constantly being interrupted. I mean, he can't go to the frickin bathroom. <laughs> And without somebody asking him for a selfie at the urinal. Like he's mid whiz and this guy is asking him for an autograph. The audacity. <laughs> Where are the boundaries? <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, come on. Like who talks if to you? Like, saw I'm not a somebody dude. famous. Like I am no the- dude. But if you're a dude, at what point do you ever think it's okay to talk to another dude when he's taking a leak? One, one, it's a rule. You don't talk to the dude next to you, especially if you don't know them. Now, if you know each other, maybe you say two words. Um, And and that's usually if you've just walked in together, because like, you know, but... Otherwise, I mean, even if you walk in and somebody else is there, you know, you might just give them the like, hey, hey, (laughs) no, you don't talk to people there. Second, do you ask a celebrity who's taking a whiz for a selfie while he's in the act? I, the lack of boundaries just made my skin crawl. I was like, oh gosh, are you kidding me right now? Mm-hmm. I couldn't handle yeah. it. Bless, well, honestly, for being yeah. as cool as he was. Because, <laughs> yeah, it was it was frustrating. I mean, I I felt so bad for him on that front. And then you know, I, I think that what you also see is, and I really liked this. We saw that Clint had made a decision during the blip to go a very different route. That's an understatement. And (laughs) as he mentions to Kate, you know, being um, the Ronin, choosing to be the Ronin, he had put his skills to use. And with those skills, he had done his research to make sure the people he was taking out were people that deserved it. I guess basically he's almost like Dexter at this point, you know. Um, But with that, 
he's having to now pay for the choices he made as Ronan, and it could cost him everything. And so, again, this is one of those places that I think is really, really special about this series is that we are finally dealing with the repercussions of of, uh, some choices here. Mm -hmm. And they are vastly terrible consequences. His whole family could end up dead. Yep. And so, to me, this is what I think is is really special, um, is that... We all saw the movie, and in many ways, I felt like it for a long time. It just kind of got glossed over. Um, and here, no, we we're we're going to deal with this, um, and it and it could cost him everything he has been trying to protect this whole time. Yeah, I, I just it's it's so good. I mean, vigilantism comes at a price, and when there's other people to pay, there's nothing more painful to the person than. Mm-hmm. Watching others suffer. I mean, mm-hmm. yep. And he didn't ever expect that there would be anyone for them to hurt mm-hmm. again. I mean, he was going right. off of his current reality, but he made these decisions and he hurt a lot of other people down the grapevine, you know, inadvertently through these choices he made. And now we're seeing the fallout. Well, I like what you said too. Like he, this could happen. Like he didn't realize that he might have a family again, that there would, there would be a possibility of there being a family again. And I think, you know, and obviously this comes down to the idea of choices that we make. And, you know, he, he stands by the choice that he made to, to be Ronan. And yet I think he also realizes that, he made a wrong choice, right? He, and he's willing to deal with the consequences of that. Um, but he's also not willing to allow his family to pay for those choices. Um, yeah. And and I think that's the difficult position that he's in. And so it's one of those things where, you know, when Elena says to him that we're defined by what we do, not pretty words, I mean, it's such a, it's such a really great point because – that's truly what this series is about, about being defined by the choices we make. Kate has to make her choices. Clint has to make his choices. Um, we deal with the fallout of the choices that Kate's parents have made, both of them, the terrible choices that they've made. Um, and so, and and what you do in that moment is what either makes you are a hero or a villain. And And so I think... You know, with with Clint, it's it's really interesting to kind of watch him walk this line. But at the same time, like, and I kind of appreciate that about this about the show. He's still willing to do whatever it takes to make sure his family is safe. And um, there are there are plenty of lines that he'll cross to make sure that's the case. Yeah. And he also sticks his neck out for Kate, a stranger, because he doesn't want her mm-hmm. to pay for his decisions either. Mm-hmm. From the get-go, that's what drives him to make this choice to help this person is he sees someone who should not have that suit. No one should be seen in that mm-hmm. suit because the choices that he's made make it very dangerous to own it. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, it's a great point. 
Well, one thing that we learn here, it's kind of huge, is we learn that who his wife is. Uh, We find out that his wife was Agent 19, a.k.a. Mockingbird, a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, which I guess means that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show is not canon anymore because it had its own Mockingbird, totally different person. And I think what it's really interesting, though, is that it helps us remind, it helps us understand why Clint and her have this type of relationship because she legitimately understands his life and Mm -hmm. the world that he's in in a way that nobody else can. Um, And that's why their marriage works. And so I think... Yeah, I was. This was so much fun to learn, and I thought it was really, really cool. And uh, I kind of want more of them together now, rather than like less, because this would be really great to see more of this relationship. Well, I don't wonder if by introducing her backstory, if they might not incorporate her into another plot line, maybe without him or mm, with him being could. more of a back plot, staying at home with the kids for once. I think you're a hundred percent right that that could be the case. Um, and you know, it'd just be interesting because, you know, with it, it, it also means that when it comes to, you know, training Kate, she has as much probably learned from her as she does from Clint, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and what a perfect, you know, family for Kate to be a part of now. Um, she's a part of the family business, you know. And <laughs> so I, I think that's I just really liked that part because, you know, I think everybody was like, what is this watch thing? And who, why, you know, and then to find out why it would matter so much was um, really cool. And And of course, even just thinking about the danger of like Avengers level. Um, equipment floating around on the black market, you know, is kind of terrifying. So um, that might be interesting to see followed up more as well. But yeah, I I love that. So yeah, and I I love that they kind of brought Kate into their fold at the end, since you know her family business isn't necessarily one you'd want to be inducted into. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, you know, one of the things that. I thought was really beautiful as well about the series, especially looking at, you know, Clint and Kate and the whole back and forth they have. And, you know, she has this hero worship of him. And what I really love is that this whole show is about showing her what it means to really be a hero. And it's not about a cool costume. It's not about marketing yourself. It's not about trick arrows, you know. And she says it at the end, which is, you taught me that being a hero is is doing right no matter what the cost. And I really like that we watch Kate learn this lesson and she has to literally live out that lesson on Christmas Eve as she has her mother arrested. Um, And I think Mm -hmm. there's something really cool about watching a hero kind of make that metamorphosis into a hero without necessarily even realizing it. You know, Kate wants to be a hero. I think she thinks it's all about the trappings of the costumes and stuff. And running around saving people. The brand. But that's not it, right? And I love that we go deep. And, you know, the beauty of this is that Clint is the perfect person to really, 
I think, teach Kate about this because he's never cared about any of that stuff. That's not what it's been about for him. And I just, it's, I'm talking too much. I just love it. <laughs> no, you said it perfectly. And I really think that there wouldn't have been a better Avenger for Kate to be following because he has the humanity aspect that she desperately needed um, mm-hmm. to make it real for her and not just this fantasy role play type thing. Right. Where, you know, she wants to be the superhero that she sees in her head, but she also needs to be faced with these harsh realities because that's all part of the job. The mm-hmm. cool stuff, the trick arrows, the suits, the loss, the pain, and the responsibility, most importantly. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point. I, I mean, I was just, uh, it just came into my head, you know, like how important this is because. Yeah. We'll talk about just a little bit later, but like this isn't LARPing, you know, this isn't this isn't a joke. You Mm -hmm. know, this is this is serious. We're not role playing. You know, being a hero isn't role playing. It's 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 truly about being out there in the danger, being willing to put yourself on the line um, and and you're you're putting your body where your mouth is in the sense of like I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that the right thing happens for the right reason at the right time regardless of the cost and and the whole goal is to save you know other people's lives and and I think there it's yeah that's just really interesting that I hadn't even really thought of that idea of how the two like why the LARPers come into this, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, this isn't about a, this isn't a game. It yeah. isn't a game. I think that was intentional that they had that kind of a group mm-hmm. placed in to parallel um, the reality versus the fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, yeah. I, I, I just, it, it didn't occur to me until now as we're talking about it, which is what makes this so fun. And, and I think, you know, too, one of the, the cool things that Clint shows her as well, is, and he talks about that, like, this is about managing loss and move, finding a way to move on, which in many ways, I think this is exactly what, you know, Kate's kind of been struggling with, uh, with the loss of her father. She truly is trying to find a way to move on and find her place in the world and, and you know, what she's going to do with the rest of her life. Um and I think the beauty of this is that Clint doesn't sugarcoat this for her. Like being a hero is is painful business. Um mind, body, and soul, and the dealing with loss. And so, you know, all of those things I think is really neat that we really get this. Behind it's like the behind the scenes of being a hero, you know, that we don't often get from many things because, you know, we don't we don't have those moments to really talk about. And this is one of the places where for the first time, I feel like the Marvel shows have finally taken full advantage of it being a television show. So we can kind of be behind the scenes with these characters because we have and I, I feel like this is the first one that's really utilized the time we've had on screen in a way that really legitimizes this being like a six episode show instead of like, you know, 
a two-hour movie. Yeah. And I like, um, on a side note, the continuity that they kept um, within the show. Because, I mean, the six-episode show is the six days leading up to Christmas. Mm-hmm. And they kept and maintained on their character, main characters every cut, every bruise, every bandage, and had them consistent mm-hmm. throughout the episodes, yep. which I thought was really nice to see. Because, you know, in one scene in a movie, they'll be all banged up 20 minutes later. They're all shiny and new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought that was a nice that layer. That is a great point. Yep. I, th- I think that's something that should be really praised because, yeah, absolutely. And in, in too many shows, you know, we just forget about, you know, oh, well, they had the bandage up there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so too quickly people get healed and they don't have superpowers for healing. So yep. um, we, we talked a little bit about this that I thought was really interesting, but the fact that this show is about dealing with death, you know, Kate dealing with the loss of her father, Clint dealing with the loss of Natasha, Elena dealing with the loss of Natasha, Maya dealing with the loss of her father. And I was struck by how this movie finally pays homage to the death of Black Widow in a way that even the Black Widow movie doesn't do a great job of. Um and no, this this movie, like watching Clint deal with the aftermath of losing losing his best friend, um, was amazing. And then, and then, of course, being able to watch Elena deal with that as well, I thought was wonderful. Um, and I think this show really utilizes that space perfectly, and and beautifully. Like I just. Mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily expecting the show to be about that, but I think this does a great job. Yeah, you got to spend some time and sit with the grief that they were all experiencing and how they were dealing with it, as opposed to like in the movie, they had to keep going. So it just, you know, it happened. It was sad. We all shed a tear in the theater, but then they were on to the next part of the plot. And then in Black Widow, they kind of cheapened what would have been a solemn, heartfelt moment with Valerie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. And they made it a funny moment, um, or at least an offhanded moment, mm-hmm. instead of dealing with that moment and letting it kind of swell to what it should have been. Whereas this one, you get to kind of see everyone processing, everyone sitting in it. And I thought that that was a really important aspect to add to this and to see. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the way you said that, just kind of sitting in it. And I mean, uh, that moment where he goes to the monument um, that's there and, you know, the plaque with their names on it. And he mm-hmm. talks to it as if she's there and how he talks about missing her and wishes she was here. And, you know, she was really the best of them in many ways that he believes. And you know, all of that is just so moving. And, you know... It's been an interesting thing because as John and I've been doing Assembling Avengers, you know, she is a character who just never really gets her due for the most part uh, because and and except for the Captain America movies, the Winter Soldier and Civil War, where she really I mean, Winter Soldier is probably her best appearance where she just really has a lot to do and she's really connected with one of the other characters in a way that's truly meaningful that who knows why they just never created a Black Widow movie where it's like her and Hawkeye. I just don't know why you wouldn't have done that. You just an absolute waste of material. But 
Yeah. And this makes that even more poignant because they're like, dang it, what did we lose by not having those two characters together on screen more often and in a movie together where it's just a buddy cop movie basically with those two, you know, like it would have been so great. So Yeah. I mean, I appreciated the baton toss or the baton pass that Black Widow was, but I feel like they missed an opportunity with her a hundred percent to have her really shine in her own film or in a film with Clint. Cause I mean, I would pay good money to see that. <laughs> and I, I do have a question because I think this also raised th- this idea of like, you know, in, in death, like what does the Contessa have to do with all of this in the sense that we learn that Kingpin was the one who helped uh, Kate's mom hire a Black Widow to assassinate Clint. But we know in the Black Widow movie that she's the one who told Elena that Clint was Natasha's murderer. So was she the one who got the contract and gave it to Natasha? Like, what is going on here? Is she lackey or is Kingpin her lackey? Like, I... And this is the first time I've seen Kingpin on screen for any of this. I'm like, where did he come from? All right. He's in here. Okay. (laughs) Um, But I I just, I don't know what her hand is. And I think that's part of the point is that we don't know what the hand she's holding is and what she's planning. Because it seems like she's starting to try and collect all the broken people that have abilities and put them into her own Mm -hmm. little pocket. Yeah. Yeah, like this weird, you know, almost dark Avengers or something. Yeah. So, well, we've talked somewhat about her, but, you know, introducing Maya into this series, you know, who is going to be a new character that we will have more of um, as Echo. Um, But what did you think about her introduction here and how she plays into the plot? Because, you know, it does seem like they really are setting up a character here who's going to mean a lot more to the MCU moving forward. I really liked how viscerally she was played. She was in real time dealing with this grief and loss and she was chaos the entire time. She was impulsive. She was reckless. She was forgetting about everyone else that she had who was loyal to her and just we saw her spiraling um, and nobody was there to catch her. And the only person that she was relying on was the one who kind of stabbed her in the back in the first place. So I thought that it was a really great um, character development to watch her go from just kind of being, you know, a crime boss to, having this vendetta when she realizes that she might be able to get revenge to the realization down throughout the series that who she blamed was not the hand that, you know, forced the knife and then the fallout from that decision that she learned of. So I I thought that was a very interesting trajectory for her and I'm excited to see where she lands because I don't really think mm-hmm. she has an allegiance right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I think one, uh, I think she was a really cool character, uh, really well played 
um, not an easy character to play, one that's deaf and, and obviously one um, with a disability in mm-hmm. uh, the fact that, you know, she only has one leg. Uh, I thought the backstory for her was really well done. And obviously, too, I think the beauty of it is that how well she plays into this thematically because, you know, Maya, Elena, and Clint are all dealing with the way in which rage can easily blind you and makes you easily manipulable. And that's exactly what happened to all of them in some ways, um, especially here with Maya and Elena both being mirrors for one another in that they are so rage-filled about the loss of their family members that they are they are willing to be led down a path to which gives them um, an easy answer of like revenge that they think is going to make them feel better. And that's just never helpful. And and I, I love an, just an, a larger aspect of this is just this show does a great job of reminding us of how rage and anger make us stupid. <laughs> and I was and, and I say that and mm-hmm. it might sound harsh, but I, I think it's a perfect reminder because like. People look at we need to look at ourselves mm-hmm. like all of the rage that we just see out there every single day, just just pouring out of everyone it's not making us smarter or better dumber or better yeah and our decisions are not positively impacted by giving into that kind of emotion i think you're 100 percent right and and so i liked the way in which we see you know kingpin being able to use her after her father's death manipulate her and and again like to me i couldn't think of a better show to come out at the end of 2021 than one that reminds us that your rage that you're feeling might be the very thing that somebody's manipulating you to make you feel or act or think in a certain way because you're not thinking clearly. Just maybe. (laughs) Yeah. And when you're only thinking within the parameters of your own grief and your own hurt, you're also not going to see the whole picture either. Mm. So it's a really, yeah, it's a really good point. Well, and it and also I think goes to show is don't make decisions mm-hmm. at times when you're emotionally compromised. You know, um, kind of reminds me of, of Star Trek 09 where Kirk is being reminded by Prime Spock that the Spock from this universe just saw his planet destroyed. He's emotionally compromised trauma and grief uh, and terrible things happening, uh, unintended situations, all of these things create emotional reactions in us which can leave us compromised. And so recognizing that compromise that's happened in us and then working to deal with it is something that's really important. And again, I think this is one of those things that we see in this whole whole show. It's like you have to deal with the ramifications 
of either the choices that you've made or the or the things that have happened to you and what your choices are going to be after those, right? Mm-hmm. You could do that well, like Kate. We've seen Kate did very well with her choices. Her mom didn't make good choices when bad things happened. Clinton didn't make good choices when bad things happened. Maya hasn't made good choices when bad things happened. Like we see all Yelena hasn't necessarily made great choices when bad things have happened. So we see all of these characters dealing with with all of these things. And again, I just uh, this is what I think makes this such a great show is that all of these things are playing so well together thematically um, Mm -hmm. because all of the stories are, are continuing to feed the same themes. A hundred percent. And I think that they are starting to set up maybe even a new way of telling the Marvel story as a whole going forward. Um, Just with what I've seen from the TV shows, because I Mm -hmm. feel like they deal with a lot more, a lot more Mm -hmm. realistically. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. Well, I just wanted to ask you real quickly about the unintended help that we get um, from the LARPers. And as kind of like (laughs) silly as it was, I have to say, especially on the rewatch, I just kind of loved it. I thought all of the characters were really fun. And I, I, I thought what it did is that it showed the willingness, the givingness, the the openness that people can have. And it was a juxtaposition off of all of these other characters who we see are just kind of in it for selfish reasons or trying to Mm -hmm. use people. These are people who are willing to open up their homes, they open up their lives, open up their hearts to people in need. And And it was just, it was a nice juxtaposition to all the other things that we've, we were seeing in the show and that like there are good people out there. Yep. I mean, the cop even lent out her special duffel bag from her wife. Yep. That was so sweet. I mean, she was a little sad, but. <laughs> yeah. No, I Hopefully thought. she got the bag back. I really hope she got that bag back. I was honestly still thinking about that after the show ended. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she got to help save the, the mm-hmm. city. So I'm thinking she might be okay with it if she <laughs> didn't, because she also got to meet Hawkeye. That was pretty and cool. So, you know, yeah. and maybe she got to, you know, have her wife meet Hawkeye too. So that would have been pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but I really, I think that they were so necessary to have in this story because everything they did was selfless. And at the end of the day, they also got to be a bit of the hero in each of their own ways without having any superpowers or being a crime lord, just with what what they had been given and who they already were. And I thought that was a really yep. special moment for all of them to see them get their moments. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, well, I wanted to ask you about this because obviously we just talked about Spider-Man No Way Home mm-hmm. and we introduced Matt Murdock um, from the Daredevil series and we bring in Kate, we bring in Kingpin. Um, and so... One, I wanted to ask you what you thought of his presentation here, um, and two, how you kind of felt about them finally bringing this other major character from the Daredevil series into the MCU. Um, 
I didn't feel particularly strongly about Kingpin's presence. If I'm being honest, I, he didn't like make me nervous or sweat or whenever he was trying to be menacing, I didn't really feel too, too much. Um, I don't know if maybe he wasn't like mean mugging it enough or something for me, <laughs> but he was almost like the nonchalant big bad. So that was not what I expected. Um, cause I mean, I haven't seen a lot of Kingpin previous to this in other series. Um, so that was kind of my first mm, taste okay. and I'm like, oh, he's sitting here and he's got all of this cheap Hawaiian decor behind him and he's just kind of like <laughs> hanging out. So it was, it was a different kind of villain for me. And I like, will we get more? Is he dead? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a great question. You know, for me, having watched all three seasons of Daredevil on Netflix, I was very excited when they finally revealed that the big guy was him. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was fantastic. And and um, it's a great thing to see him. And, and I think what I'm so interesting is I'm so I think what I'm so interested in is to see, you know, was his rise to power again because of the blip? And, and is he slightly different here in his portrayal because of all of that that happened and what happened in those years? You know, obviously he's gotten out of prison and he's, you know, risen to, to power in New York again. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of knows he's a, the crime lord, underlord now. And he's obviously gained some immense strength too. So, I mean, like... I would absolutely love to see him again, and I'm very excited that they brought him back. And, you know, I know they portrayed that he got shot uh, at the end, but I also know from the comics, from kind of reading some stuff, that, yeah, he's been shot in the head before and survived. <laughs> so, you know, um, I have no... I, I have no uh, I've no doubt that he'll be back. And okay. so I'm I'm just I'm really excited to see that because obviously he would be a great villain for I mean, I just I kind of want to see a Spider-Man movie where he teams up with Daredevil to take down Kingpin. It'd be kind of cool. Um <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm pumped that they brought him in and I'm pumped that they're bringing him and Matt Murdock into the MCU. Like I just I hope we get to see more of them. So yeah, I'd be interested to see going forward if we get Kingpin Kingpin again how his presence would be in the next film. Is he going to be like super PO'd that he got shot by his lackey or Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> like I want to I think I just want him to be more rageful. Yeah, absolutely and, and I'm thinking like is is this being are, are we setting him up because we're going to see him in the you know the echo show mm-hmm. that they're gonna do so yeah i'd like to see him less comfortable mm-hmm. a little yeah. edgier yeah no i i agree with you um well i wanted to ask you just what you thought about the action and the music in the show obviously we we get some really interesting music in the show along with the <laughs> score as well as of course you know a, a lot of great action sequences and so just wanted to see what you thought of both of those things, um, you know, for this series. Um, 
musical numbers aside, I thought the music in the show was great. Um, and I mean, how, how much better does it get when you get a Christmas series with explosions the whole way through? I was thrilled. I'm like, this is legitimately like a Christmas special and they're blowing things up every 10 minutes. I yeah. I am a happy camper. <laughs> yeah. It's like Die Hard on steroids. <laughs> exactly. It was perfect. Yeah. I, um, the, the one thing, I mean, the Rogers musical was Ugh. absolutely perfect because <laughs> it fits everything I know about what Broadway would do to something. And the fact that they put on an entire like Broadway like production mm -hmm. for this was hysterical. And that song is kind of like insidiously catchy, you know? I, and, you know, you just find yourself singing, I could do this all day. Because um, uh, apparently you can sing this all day. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, I I mean, the one thing I thought about this show uh, is that I think the action sequences here might be the best of any of the Marvel series so far on Disney+. Plus. Mm -hmm. I thought they all looked fantastic. The fight scenes we got, the choreography we got. Um you know, the car chase sequence with all the arrows was amazing. I thought really well done for what we're doing on a television show. Uh, and, you know, the, the just the, the fight we got at the very end with, with all of the different characters uh, fighting one another, I, I thought was really well done. I was very impressed with just the overall, overall production of the show and as well as just the look and the feel of... The rooftop fight we got, you know, with with uh, Clint and Yelena and um, Kate, as well as, you know, Maya getting into the mix, you know, all of that stuff was really well done. And I really have to give credit to uh, Christoph Beck and then um, Michael Paraskivas, um, but they did the music for... Uh, just the the uh, score for all of the episodes, the way they introduced a Hawkeye theme and then they interwove all of this Christmas music into the score was phenomenal. It makes for really fun listening. Uh, and I, I I'm like, wow, that was great. Um, this. Yeah. So I, I guess with all that said. I'm really excited to hear what you're going to end up rating Hawkeye season one. So what's our scale this time? <laughs> uh, we'll just make it easy. We'll go out of five. And so I would have to give it like a 4.7. Nice. I really, it was just enjoyable watching the whole way through. The acting was great. The action sequences were phenomenal. Um, I loved the music as obnoxious as the musical number was, it was, it fit, <laughs> mm -hmm. it did what it was supposed to. And it made you cringe in the right way the whole time. <laughs> and I thought that all of the storylines, all of the characters, their plots were really well developed. Um, and I thought it was like, it was a really elegantly done way to introduce Kate Bishop into the MCU um, as our next Hawkeye. Yeah, I um I'm right there with you. Uh and I think right now uh, I'm going to go with a 4 out of 5. 
Not to say that, and there's a possibility that this could possibly go up when um, I watch it again uh, for Assembling Avengers. But like, this is to me, hands down, no questions asked, absolutely the best thing that they've done for Disney Plus yet. Um, and part of that is is what we talked about. Like, it's so consistent in the tone and thematic elements, the character development. Like, it feels the most cohesive of a show as they've done so far. And in in many ways, like, this is one of the most highly rated um, things I have for Marvel. It's it's just, it was really, really good. And I've, I've watched it twice now. And so... I really like this show. Like I, I had a good time rewatching it. And you know, sometimes like when you rewatch something and like, you know, what's going to happen. So you just kind of find yourself playing your phone a little bit more. Like mm-hmm. I didn't do that very much with this show. No, I see there. We binged the whole thing in yeah. one day. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> so it was a really great way to watch it. And I, Honestly, I remember when we first started watching it, my husband saw Hawkeye with his hearing aid and he's like, look, even heroes have superheroes have hearing aids. And he was so excited to see that representation. And I thought they did a beautiful job throughout the show as well with that, with yeah. both Maya and Hawkeye. That, that's that's really cool uh, to see that be the case. And so, well, I love that we got a chance to talk about this and and I I'm always thankful you know when we get a chance to talk about something that we end up loving uh, mm-hmm. and 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 just really enjoying watching and th- and that's what makes it so much fun so uh, but before we go though um it's time for some recommendations and so what do you want to recommend to everybody this week Amanda hmm Let's go down the rabbit hole and recommend The Secret of Nim. Oh, nice. Something a little a little out there, but it was one of my favorite growing up of the off-brand non-Disney cartoon kids movies and mm-hmm. I thought I think that that one still has really beautiful writing as an adult to watch, so. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in a really long time, but that's that's great and like you said yeah there were so many great kind of off-brand animation (laughs) things that weren't disney but that we you know you grew up with and yeah i might have to go back and revisit that so um i'm going to recommend to everybody to go and check out daredevil season one through three on netflix because if you haven't seen those and you kind of want to understand more of who this character is of matt murdoch and or kingpin fantastic way to do it um i have seen all three seasons now i like seasons one and three the best season two is okay um but it's not as good as the other two uh and i Honestly, I want more of that character, especially in light of what we've seen now with um, this and No Way Home. So Mm -hmm. that's going to be my recommendation. But if anybody does want to catch up with you and just kind of see what else you've got going on, where can they find you, Amanda? Let's see. You can find me at Twin Sons Amanda on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. 
Um, and then also at Sabres and Spells on the Skywalking Network. Fantastic. And um, just so everybody knows, too, uh, Amanda is actually just going to join us more often here in the 602 Club. So be looking forward to that. I'm super excited to, to be able to have you uh, on board more often. And um, just, you know, Christy and I have had so much fun with you on the show. And we're like, you know, we should just have Amanda back more often. So, um, and then you said yes. So, sucker. Hey. <laughs> oh, so that's going to be fun. And I hope everybody will look forward to that here in 2022. But of course, you can find me all over the place under the name Matt Rushing02, um, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero, Twitter, all those type of places. You can find me. Uh, you can also find me here with, uh, of course, in the 602 Club feed with Assembling Avengers as well as Snyder Cuts, those bonus shows in the main feed you can find that I do with John Mills. You can also find me on the Orb, Literary Treks, and Warp 5. The Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Literary Treks is about the books and the comics of Star Trek. And Warp 5 is about Star Trek Enterprise. And then over on uh, the Nerd Party Network doing Owl Post with Drea Kaufman, we finished that show. It's all about Harry Potter, one chapter at a time. We went through the entire series, so you can check that out now. As well as... Aggressive negotiations, talking Star Wars each and every week with John Mills. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? (laughs) 